It is on. When I was, first off, when I was 16, um, God gave me a promise that he would deliver me from timidity. And that has not happened yet. <laughs> <laughs> I am still praying and hoping and asking God to do that. But, um, and also the last, well, the last seven years have been very hard years. The last two have been very, very hard. So much to the point where at the end of the day, when James comes home, I'm saying, I don't think I can do this anymore. I, I quit. I can't do it anymore. And I go to bed, and God has just graciously given me worship songs through the night, and I woke, wake up full of joy and ready to take it on again, and which has been a miracle. And anyway, last Sunday, right before we started worship, I was praying. We were praying, and God showed me an iceberg a huge iceberg, and it was sitting in this beautiful blue, turquoise glacier water. And I'm sure you use that picture because I love icebergs and glaciers. They're just one of the most beautiful things I've been uh, had the privilege of seeing, and they're just unbelievable. But anyway, when he first showed me this iceberg, it was huge, and it was just kind of a huge slope, and I was at the bottom of it and pushing, just pushing. And I felt God say, that's not what I want. And then I realized, I thought I was on ground trying to move this iceberg, and I realized I was just at the bottom of the iceberg being ridiculous trying to move the iceberg while I'm standing on it. (laughs) Push it out of the way. And I said, okay. God just said, this isn't what I want. So I sat there and I thought, okay, and I began to run up this iceberg, just run with all my might, and it felt so good and so exhilarating and so full of life, and I thought, okay, you know, at that point, I thought, oh, I am in God's will. This is what I, this is what I'm supposed to do, and then I start sliding back, and I start clawing and gripping, trying to hang on to what God wants, where he wants me to be, what I'm supposed to be doing, and Again, God says, shh, this isn't what I want. I said, okay. Then all of a sudden, I'm sliding down this iceberg. I'm just sliding on my back, my hands up in the air, like I'm on a roller coaster screaming, going, woo! <laughs> sliding down this hill, just, you know, full of joy. And so anyway, it's been an interesting week because I'm going, okay, God, what is this iceberg? What is this iceberg? And he's saying, this is your iceberg. You know, this is your iceberg. It's yours. I'm going, okay, God, what is it? And I said, is it your purpose in my life? And everything he showed me, he kept giving me examples of it. Is this your purpose? And, you know, I've known my purpose since I was little. It is to be a prayer warrior. And um, in private, I'm a great prayer warrior. And... But, and he said, yes, but that's not it. And I said, okay, is it, and I wrote all these things down because I knew I wouldn't remember, but um, I said, okay, is it your promises? And he said, yes, and he began to reveal some of his promises. And 
I said, and he said, yes, but that's not it. I said, okay, is it your will in my life? And he, again, showed me examples, yes, but that's not it. And I said, okay, is it my fears? And, you know, is it my fears? And again, more examples, yes, but that's not it. And um, I said, okay, is it my hopes? You know, my hopes in you? Yes. And again, more examples. I mean, it's been, but that's not it. I said, okay, is it my dependency on you? Yes, but that's not it. And it just kept on and kept on. And I said, okay, is it my ministry? Yes, but that's not it. Okay, is it my trust in you? Yes, but that's not it. And then finally he revealed that it's all of it, that it's everything. It's all the same thing. It's like my relationship with Jesus, that all of those things and more, that's what it is. It's my relationship with Jesus. And, you know, my desire right now more than anything is just when if someone sees me, that they see Jesus. And, and it, you know, he revealed, he showed me that it's my intimacy and my dependency. And he showed me, like I said, it was just beautiful blue glacier water and this big iceberg. And then as the week went on, um, he showed me that the iceberg was a lot bigger than I thought it was, mm. that there were big crevasses and a hole through one side of it. And he just said, he said, Sherry, you just have to stop, you know, because I struggle with um, studying the Bible. It's hard for me. I don't understand it. You know, I have a son who can read something, and God just reveals it to him, and I struggle with it. And when I was young, when I was in my early 20s, I, I met Jesus when I was probably 10 years old, and I was a little girl who could memorize all the Bible verses and had it all in my head and all in my heart, and when I was in my early 20s, God says, you don't have it right. And he erased it all from my mind. He just overnight just erased it. And so, you know, since then I've always struggled because I want to know God. I want to seek him, and I want to know, and I have a hard time studying the Bible. And so that is one of those things where I'm clawing and gripping, and I feel like I'm falling behind, and God's saying, that's not what I want. But God always reveals the word to me when it's needed you know he always pulls it back out when it's when I need it but um and I forgot where I was going but anyway you know he doesn't want us to struggle he just as long as we have that intimacy with him and we are dependent on him we can go through life with that joy in our heart there are going to be hard times and then you know, times that aren't great, but we can have that peace and that joy. And, you know, another thing he did show me, he says, I can pick you up anytime I want. This is a huge iceberg. I can pick you up and put you wherever I want to when I want to. You don't have to do it. All you have to do is trust in me and be dependent on me. That's it. (laughs) Glory to God. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Glory. Um, in the middle of 
you're not sure what to do, I, I, I think, maybe we can say it this way, that when you're not sure what to do, you're not, not sure what to do with your iceberg, probably throwing up your arms and just going, we and trusting Jesus is as good as anything. Uh, and John 17:3 says, this is eternal life. He points to one thing. Jesus points to one thing in John 17, 3. And he says, this, right here, pay attention. I'm about to tell you something really important. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Everything that you've ever read in the Bible can be summed up in that statement. This is eternal life, that you can know God through Jesus. <clears throat> Our relationship with Him, the ability to know Him, walk with Him, love Him, receive His love back, and share that love and that relationship with everybody else, that's, that's it. That is eternal life. People have all these confused notions of what eternal life is. Eternal life is just knowing Jesus and being known by Him. Starts right here, keeps going forever. This is eternal life. And we, we get sidetracked on so many other things, thinking that if we, if we pursue our ministry, if we pursue this, if we have this, you know, we, we compartmentalize our lives and, and all sorts of things that, that take different priorities and, and, and seem to have different level of value. And if I, keep, if I do these 12 things over here, then I'll really be pleasing God and, and, and what, whatever it is. Um, knowing Jesus is all there is anything that keeps you from knowing Jesus God would like to purge that from our lives anything that makes it easier for us to rest in him and just have a relationship with him that's what he wants to maximize and it can, my iceberg is a beautiful example of that. So, thank you, Sherry. Thank you. And thank you for your faithfulness. When Sherry says the last seven years have been really hard, she's not making that up. Um, faithful, 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 fruitful. Um, God's bringing that all together. We gotta, uh, Thank you for being here today to share that with us. I'll run through some things real quick this morning. Um, just help you understand some things. Uh, God is asking us to take some steps of faith this morning. Um, you know, I, I, I mailed you a little blank card last week, and if you didn't, if you didn't bring your little blank card with you, I happen to have more little blank cards. Where did I put them? They're over here. Um, right here, I have more little blank cards. Uh, and there were, you had an assignment. Uh, this this kind of got uh, something that that I think God revealed to me as an exercise He wants us to do. And I was triggered by the fact that last year financially wasn't really a good year for us. Um, there's some perfectly logical, understandable reasons why it wasn't. Uh, one of which is we spent. Uh, a lot of money that we don't normally spend um, for things that I, I think mostly had good purposes or important purposes. 
Um, and then we had a, a little bit of a bump in our giving, and there were, un, there were understandable reasons for that. I don't preach on money very often. Uh, not one of those churches where you know, we pass the offering plate, and then we count the money, and we lock the doors, and we don't let anybody out until we see how much is there, and then we pass them again if, if we didn't get enough. Not one of those places where we bug people about money. As far as I'm concerned, uh, God knows what he has enabled you to be able to give, and it's between you and him. Um, you, now, I understand that tithing is uh, mostly the biblical standard, but when you get to the New Testament, uh, the only time tithing is ever mentioned, did y'all ever realize this? The only time that tithing is really ever mentioned in the New Testament is in a negative context. Um, because the Pharisees thought that they were pleasing God by tithing even down to the herbs in their garden and that that, they were pleasing God by doing that. The the biblical standard for giving in the New Testament is everything. You are a slave to Jesus. Uh, when 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 you come into a faith relationship with Jesus, you become a slave to him and everything you own becomes his. And it's not an issue of, see, Lord, I'm, I'm doing you a favor by giving 10%. Um, that, that's not the point at all. The point is, uh, God, you seek the Lord. God tells you how much he wants you to give. Um, it's his. It's his anyhow. He's saying, here's how much of the resources I provided for you that I want you to give back to me. Um, and that's a conversation between you and Jesus. I'm not going to get in the middle of that. I've just told you everything I know about giving, and the rest of it is up to you and him. Uh, and, and that's why I don't talk about it very often because it's always between you and him. So, so what I asked uh, is just that you'd have that conversation with him. Lord, how much do you want me or our family to give each month? And the other thing is, um, God, that you would enable me to give it every month. Uh, and then I told you, you know, sometimes things keep us from, from being here for several weeks in a row and sometimes it just get. Uh, we get behind without realizing that. And, and so it just helps, our, it helps us manage our purposes uh, to, for managing the resources of the church if we know kind of how much is coming in every month. So uh, those, are the, those are just two little disciplines um, that we needed to talk about as a, as a way of approaching God and asking him, how to be disciplined in our stewardship with the resources that he gave us. And so those are the first two things I asked you to pray about. The last one is this, it's completely different. The last one is the, is a focus on the things that are more important than the giving thing. Uh, the giving thing is kind of housekeeping. Uh, the third thing, and let me ask you why it's here. Uh, I felt like God... Again, like the end of November, 1st of December, challenged me to, to begin to pray that God would send us five new families. I'll explain to you why that kind of makes sense in a minute. Uh, but that, um, and that he sh- asked me to challenge us as a congregation to begin praying that God would send us five new families. And a reasonably, I mean, he didn't say, he didn't give me a timeline like two days or two weeks or two months, but that, that our focus should be on urgently interceding for God to start sending us new families. And five is just like a, a nice, simple number to start with. Um, so 
at Five New Families who will become a part of our church family and join us in the ministry of this community. And I want to hold that thought. We're going to come back to it in a minute. But let me just remind you of some things that there's a framework that this all fits into. And we've been going over it in the book of Acts for, you know, months and months now. So I want to just give you the context one more time because we've, uh, we've learned some things in the book of Acts that have been very, very powerful uh, that really changed my way of looking at, at how the church is supposed to function. I know this is silly because this has been the Bible for 2,000 years, but it's changed my perspective on how we approach ministry. And um, let's just remind ourselves, we got this promise in Acts chapter 1, verses 8, which says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Um, when, do you see, when do you receive power? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. How much power do you get from anything else? None. Now, anything, the only, way, the only time power, the power of God is released in you is through the presence of the Holy Spirit in you. It doesn't, come, it doesn't come from good intentions. It doesn't come from just reading scripture. It doesn't come from tithing. It doesn't come from, it only comes by surrendering to the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, stuff happens. You'll be my witnesses um, anywhere you go, even to the remotest part of the earth. What that really means is uh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, um, the, he will give you the ability to tell what you've experienced with miraculous results. I was telling Jerry Sharpless about this when he was here last week. We had supper with him last Saturday night. And he just said, that's so good. That's so exciting. That's exactly right. That's, uh, that's a revelation he got really excited about. The Holy Spirit will give you the ability to tell, tell your story, to tell what you've experienced. And the, that the Holy Spirit is in charge of the miraculous results. Uh, we have to tell the story. That's our part. He'll give us the strength to tell the story. That's his part. Then he'll take whatever it is that we tell other people and he'll do miracles with that. That's out of our hands. But everywhere we go, we should be relying on listening to, expecting the Holy Spirit to move. Um, and it, it just changes the way we approach the whole thing. I love this. Um, let me tell you why this verse is important to me. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verses 3 through 5. I was, Paul, this is Paul talking. He says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching was not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power. So how many of you have ever been in a position where you just felt like a bowl of useless jello? Uh, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. I know this word weakness uh, comes from a Greek word that means the inability to produce results. No matter how hard you try, no matter how good your intentions are, no matter how much you try to do in the right things for the right reasons, I wasn't getting any results. I couldn't move the iceberg. I couldn't get anything done. I wasn't making any progress. I wasn't having any victory. And I, I started to be afraid, and I started to freak out. So this is Paul. When we think of Paul, what do we think? When we think of the Apostle Paul, what kind of image do we have? 
Super Paul, Super Apostle, na 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 and that and I'm Paul, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Arise and walk, and boom, and he goes, but Paul says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. In other words, this is Paul freaking out when he came to Corinth, which is one of the most pagan cities in the Roman Empire at the time. And he walked in there uh, against overwhelming odds, and he knew that he didn't have in himself any ability to change anything. Not only did he feel weak, he felt intimidated. He felt afraid. He felt helpless. But he had... And, and so this is, this is so important. Once you realize that you are weak and that you're afraid and that you're helpless and that you don't have the ability to produce the results that need to be produced, you know what you should do? You should just embrace that. You should just admit it. Stop trying to pretend that you know what you're doing. Stop trying to pretend you've got everything figured out. Stop trying to figure out that, you, that, that you've got a great plan that's going to do something great for God. Stop trying to be what you're not and just put it all in God's hands and just say, Holy Spirit, I am clueless. I am helpless. I do not know what to do here. So my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom as these are some of the the most relentless pagan uh, elements of society in, in Corinth. Um, there was barely a Jewish presence and no Christian presence. And so there's no use, Paul is thinking, there's no use me trying to preach to these people and try to, to make a big, long argument about why they should stop living the way they're living and, become, and talk them into becoming Christians. I don't, I, I, I don't have the words. I don't have the wisdom. Even if I could come up with a credible argument, it wouldn't do any good. Uh, so my message and my preaching are going to be different. If the Holy Spirit doesn't show up in power, nothing's going to happen. If the Holy Spirit doesn't show up and make a difference, there's nothing I can do. I can stand here and go... Uh, There's nothing I can do. It's got to be the presence and the power of God. I want the Holy Spirit to show up in demonstration of the spirit of power because more than anything else, I wanted your faith to rest on the power of God and not the wisdom of men. How much progress would Paul have... What good would it have done if Paul had come up with an argument that had talked all of the, the... people of Corinth into becoming Christians because Paul had a great argument and they left that service saying wow wasn't that Paul a great orator do you remember I really remember that argument that he made where A plus B equals C times D plus W and boy just suddenly it all became clear that Paul he's a great speaker I'm going to come back next week because I want to listen to Paul 
How much good would that have done to those folks? Paul says, I don't want, I don't want your faith to rest on me and some clever argument that I had. I want you to experience the presence and the power of God. I want you to see what God can do because I want your faith to rest on him, not me. And I don't want people to come to our church and say, wow, that was a great praise and worship team, wasn't it? Wasn't that a great sermon? And that, uh, and that Chuck, isn't he a nice fella? Boy, I, I sure enjoyed meeting Chuck. I think I want to come back next week so I can talk to Chuck some more. Uh, no, we want, what I want, what the primary heart is that people would encounter the Holy Spirit here by the presence and the power of God and that they would know that they are meeting Jesus in the presence and power of God when they are here and that they are hungry, that they know they've met Jesus when they're here and that they're hungry to come back to encounter his presence. Not, not me, not, not even us, but him. This is a place when you want, I want people when they, my heart's desire is when they walk in the door, when they pull up onto the parking lot They already sense the presence of God just getting all over them. Uh, When people are driving by, uh, I want the presence of God to be wooing them so much that they just can't help but turn their heads and say, there's something about I want the presence of God, the power of God. I don't want to have a, a, I don't want to make a plan. tired of making plans uh, that depend on whether or not uh, we figure something out. I just want to follow whatever the Holy Spirit's doing. Right, so, and then, do you remember uh, back in chapter 6, this has been several months ago, as the gospel starts to to spread, um, the disciples start getting in trouble. Peter and James, uh, Peter and John get arrested, uh, threats are made against their lives, they're, they're concerned that the, the authorities are going to start maybe arresting Christians and throwing them in jail. Uh, and so that they are released and they come back and report to the church uh, that was gathered, wherever the church was gathered, in the upper room or wherever they were, to say, y'all, this is pretty bad. Um, they beat us uh, severely. They told us, don't you dare tell anybody about Jesus anymore or it's going to be worse on you next time. They beat us. They threatened us. They tried to intimidate us. And we just wanted to come back and report to you. And the whole church heard this report. And this is how they responded. They started praying. They said, Lord, the enemies of the kingdom are gathered here to do whatever it is that you allow them to do. Whatever, what, whatever they do, that's bet- whatever your plan is, Lord, between you and them, that's up to you. But here's what we're asking. Lord, we're just asking this one thing. Lord, please take note of their threats and squash them like bugs and drive them off of the face of the earth. <laughs> no, they just said, Lord, take note of their threats. And all we ask is that you give your bond servants the ability to speak your word with all confidence. 
while you extend your hand to heal and while signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And in other words, it's like, Lord, whatever happens out there is going to happen, but please give us the anointing to continue to speak your word while your power shows up. We'll speak your word, send your power, and wreck the plans of the enemy and set people free. Lord, we, we want to confidently begin to tell the story of Jesus and you heal, you grant signs and wonders, take place through the name of Jesus that change people's lives. And they prayed that prayer. They prayed a lot more. They prayed it urgently. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak the word of God with boldness even more boldness. The whole church started to speak the word of God with boldness because they experienced the presence and power of Jesus and they knew it was not on them. It was in his hands and they had a story to tell and they weren't going to let anybody stop them. That's what church ought to be like. That's what walking in the power of the Holy Spirit is like. That's what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. That's the whole point of everything. Put it in God's hands. Continue to tell the story. Rely on his presence and power. So now let's get back to our, the point of our little white card. Remember Jerry was there last week. Um, and remember one of the things that he talked about was how when they go out wherever it is that they go, they have a... That they're trying to start churches all around Southeast Asia. Uh, and the first thing that they look for is what? One person. One person. They call it a person of peace. And as an example, that just one person that's receptive to the gospel. And an example from scriptures, they, they point out the Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman, of course, as we all know, was famous for studying the Bible several hours a day uh, and getting up before dawn to go out in the mountains and pray and seek God. And um, she, well, no, of course that's wrong. She was a prostitute. Um, she, was, it was, she probably wasn't even technically a prostitute because I'm not sure that what she was doing, she was actually getting paid for. She was just... She had had several husbands, and the person that she was living with at the time was not her husband. And Jesus singled her out as the person that he had decided to use to bring the gospel to Samaria. After he had, after she had this long conversation with him where she tried to, to demonstrate that she knew more about the Bible than he did and realized that she was wrong um, and he prophesied into her life, then she ran back to the leaders of the village to say, come, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. That's a power encounter. You understand? That's an encounter. She had an encounter with the power of God. Jesus didn't sit there and like, take her through the book of Isaiah and say, you see, here's this prophecy and here's how I fulfilled it. And here's this, and then over here, this is this next verse. And here's how I'm going to fulfill it. He didn't, 
he did not open the scriptures to her in any meaningful way. He just, he spoke a powerful word. He demonstrated who he was by the by supernatural knowledge of her life. And she said, this man read my mind. He, he, he knew my whole life. He, he told me everything I ever did. Is this a Messiah? Come, come meet him. Come meet him. Uh, he, meeting him has changed my life. I think he'll change yours too. She was telling her story. And she ended up establishing... Uh, a home for believers. That's the person of peace. And you only need, apparently, you only need one. That person of peace had a network with some other people and it went from one to five to ten just just instantly. It just expanded. So, um, so let me only... After Jerry had shared that with us, it confirmed something that I've been believing and praying about for a while, and what I think I've shared at least with several of you, and Mike and Randy and I have talked about it. Uh, we look at our situation in Grant Shoals right now, and we wish we were reaching more people. Right? We... We, we wish that, that more people were here on Sunday mornings. We wish we were reaching more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we think, how are we going to get more people to come here? How, how, what are we going to do? What are we doing wrong? What, is it, uh, what do we need to do differently? What do we need to change? Uh, um, thing number one, I think this, this is, this is not that we, don't, that we need to change our strategy. Uh, it's what we need to keep putting this back into the hands of God because... Um, you know, I can tell you, really, the only thing that my heart's desire is to, is to be here on Sunday mornings and enter into worship and share the word with people. That's the, that's the, the, only, the only things that I know 100% that God has called me to do is sit at this piano and lead in worship. With, and I, I, I send out the, the music to the rest of the praise and worship team every sometimes Saturday night, but I, I send it out uh, so that they can at least say they were warned before Sunday morning. Uh, and I, I sign the, every one of those emails the same way. Uh, I'm so much looking forward to worshiping him with you tomorrow. Uh, and that goes for all of you. I look forward to worshiping with you every Sunday morning and opening the word. Those are the things that, those are the things that I 100% know that God has called me to do, that he has anointed me to do. Some other things, like how to figure out how to get people from Granite Shoals to come in here, I'm just as much in the dark as you are. Uh, and I felt like, sort of like the Holy Spirit showed, told me the other day, maybe I should just do what I know I'm called to do and let him do the rest. Put it back on him to do the rest. Maybe we don't have to have a big, um, amazing plan to somehow lure people in here. Uh, just rely on the Holy Spirit to do what he's really good at. Um, so I'm kind of playing with that. Um, but 
it still boils down to this. It may only take adding one more person. Stop and think about this. One person apiece from this community that God uses to network back out in that, uh, that, that has a, that they'll be put, touched by the, the power of God and go back out and start telling their story and start bringing people back in. That's, that's the whole strategy for the way uh, this group of mission agencies, not just Campus Crusade for Christ, but several worldwide mission agencies, that's the strategy that they're using right now is uh, go into small towns, find a person of peace, pray over them, equip them, empower them, and God will work through one or two or three people to take an, to, to plant uh, a prosperous church in a, in a city where there were no Christians at all to start with. Just a handful of people under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So, so now, when I'm saying that I believe God has challenged us to ask Him by His power to add five more families to our congregation in the reasonably immediate future. That could represent a humongous breakthrough for the whole city. Five people that know five more people who know five more people who know five more people. That's that's the person of peace plan that worked in Samaria. It's working in cities all around the world. We just continue to pray and intercede. I think God is going to be better at this than we are. Not that I don't think he's got, given some ideas for some other things, but um, that's, that's the point of asking God for five families, that we as a congregation pray regularly on your prayer list Pray regularly every day for God to begin to send the families that he wants. And it doesn't, won't hurt my feelings if you run into people and you invite them. Because I don't know how God's going to send them. So if you run into people and invite them, that's still completely fine with me. It's not like we're going to start playing hide and seek with people. Uh, but however God's going to do it, to see if the Holy Spirit will use our ability to tell our story and also use his ability to touch people's hearts to make the breakthrough that will help us to, break, to address this city with the, with the power and presence of Jesus. Uh, this prayer care share, I, you remember J- J- Jerry said that this is, this is how they begin to prepare a ministry in the city when they're looking for, to, to start a church. They first they pray in the neighborhood. They find ways to bless people, and then as they build relationships, they can tell them about Jesus. That is so simple: prayer, care, and share. We can at least, as you're driving th- into Granite Shoals, as you drive through Granite Shoals, some of those of you that actually live in Granite Shoals, as you're heading home, just pray and ask God to bless this city. Pray as you're driving along the street. Ask God to bless the people who live in these houses. That the first step is to begin to pray for the Holy Spirit to shake this place. Uh, and that as God gives us opportunities to, 
to touch them with the love of Jesus, uh, demonstrate his love in whatever ways he, he'll, he enables us to do it. Uh, we'll skip the rest of that for now. And, and then he closed the sermon last week with this. Uh, you see what God can do in Northwest China and Egypt? He can do the same things in Granite Shoals and in Marble Falls. The same thing that, that their ministry is seeing established and remote places of the world where, there, where nobody has heard of Jesus before and churches are springing up everywhere by this simple little pl- plan. If he can do it there, he can do it here. If you drive into to Granite Shoals and say, this place is hopeless, God doesn't say this place is hopeless. You see all of the, the crazy things that are going on in this city right now politically and that this, some things we've prayed about on Wednesday. God doesn't look at that and say, oh, well, um, I give up. God, God didn't even give up on Nineveh. God, God has not given up on Granite Shoals. And God has not given up on this church. And God has not given up on you. He's asking us to trust him and pray bigger prayers and dream bigger dreams. You understand? You understand what I'm talking about? Uh, we talked about this this last slide on Sunday on Wednesday. So this um, here is one theme that I think we need to focus on as we're praying for the city. Uh, it's going to probably stick this up on our sign, but we're going to do some other things with it just as a way to express God's love to this community. But I know one thing, that the people who live in Granite Shoals, their hearts are hungry for hope and help and a place where they feel they can be at home, where they feel safe and welcomed. And they, they don't even maybe think that that's church. Some of them have tried church and it hadn't worked. Some of them have tried church and people have hurt their, have disappointed them. But I'd like for them to know through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in this place that hope and help and home can be found here. Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay. So now, now it comes to these little cards. Um, how many of you forgot your little card and you need one? Okay. Donald Jean will distribute the little cards. And how many of you need something to write with? Because there's a... As long as you give them back... You can borrow these pins down here. So if, uh, if you need something to write with, raise your hand. Gene will, now he'll bring you something to write with. Because all I want you to do... <coughs> You read this letter, and if it ministers to you, uh, this is a, a little step of faith. 
for you for those three prayer challenges. The two that have to do with how God wants you to, to respond to him in terms of your stewardship. Um, and like I said, you don't need to put any, I don't want any amounts. I don't want you to put your name on this card. I don't want you to put any amount of, uh, uh, that you're promising to give on that card. I don't want, I don't want to know that. Je- Jesus knows about it. He told you what he wants. I just want you to be, I want you to say yes, Lord, to whatever you feel like you, you heard from him. Uh, uh, and if you're willing to be obedient to those two things, and if you're, if you f- feel called, you're willing to, to begin to pray regularly, f- to join in a giant intercessory process. Ask God to send us five new families. Uh, then, then all I want you to do is just put yes, Lord, on this card uh, as your way of affirming your commitment to him. So it's not a promise to me. Your name's not going to be on it, so I don't even know. Uh, I'm not in this involved at all. I'm just asking you to make this promise to Jesus. To say yes, Lord, saying yes to you. Um, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you... Uh, remember we sang this song last week? I believe, Lord, I believe. Lord, I trust you. I will trust you, Lord, I receive. So, I just want us to sing this song, and while we're singing this song, I want you to just slip out of where you are and come and and lay your card here on the communion table. Um, We'll sing, and then we'll pray over these, and then we'll see what God, we'll just see what God does. I believe, Lord, I believe, I will trust you, Lord, I receive, all you have planned, fulfilled in me, as I I believe, Lord, I believe.
I will trust you, Lord, I receive all you have planned, fulfill in me, as I surrender, as I I surrender, Lord, I believe. Lord, we just dedicate these little white cards to you. They represent our desire, Lord, to serve you, to follow you. They represent our hopes and our dreams and our, and our confidence, Lord, that you are going to use this church to change this community one person at a time. So Lord, right now we are on record as we're obeying you, Lord, however it is that you want us to use the money that you've entrusted to us or any other resource for that matter. That Lord, our vision is that we're praying together right now. We're united together right now in faith that you are going to start sending families, families, maybe families that are desperately, desperately in search of hope and help and a home, people who haven't never met Jesus and are just lost as a goose and are hoping that somewhere there's people who will love them, and maybe, Lord, there are people out there who, who know you and love you and just haven't found, found the right place where they can be a blessing, Lord, we don't know who they are, we know that We only want them here if you've called them to be here. If you've called them to be a part of this family, to to bless them and to bless others through them, Lord. Send your angels out now, according to Hebrews 1.14, and bring them in. We're trusting you, God. We're trusting you to reveal to us if there's anything that we need to change trusting you, Lord, to bring people across our path that we can tell our story to. Whether it's stories about icebergs, whether it's stories about uh, your divine intervention in ways that meet supernaturally meet our needs. Or whether it's just a story about what it means to be loved and not be afraid anymore. We thank you, God. Thank you, God, for honoring our little faith step this morning for bringing glory to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen.